Saturday, July the 5th, 1913, in the great meeting hall of the Institut de France, the competitors for the Paris Conservatoire's Prix de Rome are each presenting their final works for judgment by the Académie des Beaux-Arts. This year's challenge is to compose a cantata on a prescribed text, a lyric episode titled Faust and Hélène by the poet Eugène Adenis. At this public performance, the atmosphere seems anything but decorous. According to a critic in attendance, perched on the piano like jockeys, the daring young composers spurred on the accompanists and lashed out at the performers with desperate gestures and disordered mimicry. After an hour or so of these rock star-like histrionics, the third contestant takes the stage, presenting a contrast in every conceivable way. This young composer emanates calm assurance, humility, and professionalism, dresses simple, manner placid, with the easy joy of being part of the process, engaging the audience and lending confidence to the performers. The inner inspirations of the composer explode into the consciousness of the audience rather than battering against it pointlessly. And, almost as an afterthought in the shadow of the score's obvious mastery, its author happens to be a woman, Lily Boulanger. What's really impressive in the story of Lily Boulanger is the systematic way she set about the task of becoming a serious composer. She took up private lessons with two conservatoire teachers, Georges Cossade and Paul Vidal, auditing classes when her health permitted. Though she was not formally accepted till the start of 1912, she was, for all practical purposes, a full-time conservatoire student from 1910, and her work was often shared in class. During this time, she methodically prepared herself for the Prix de Rome by composing the type of extended vocal works that were expected as final entries within the strict time limits that she would eventually face. She did this several times, completing sample cantatas and choral works in anywhere from three weeks to four days, but the results were often destroyed afterwards. Thomas Goss continues in his article, Lily Boulanger in her own right. In July, after two months of severe illness, the 18-year-old composer picked up the threads of her grand scheme once again. Within six weeks, she composed not one, but two complete works for chorus. One of these, La Nef Légère, was probably destroyed. The other, Im au Soleil, survived. This hymn to the sun is full of intriguing harmonic ideas, like stacked fourths and transitions between seemingly unrelated chords. It's a collection of grand gestures that are tied together by a sometimes muscular sense of lyricism, revealing the marks of an indomitable spirit. The lyrics here in translation. Let us bless the power of the reborn sun. With all the universe, let us celebrate its return. Crowned in splendor, it rises, it soars. The awakening of the earth is a hymn of love. Seven steeds whose departure God can scarcely delay and flame the sky with their blazing breath. O oh, fertile sun, you break through with fields in bloom, dense woods and mountains, the wide ocean kindled by your fire, and the universe rejuvenated and freshened. 
the morning mists are gleaming with dew. The hymn for chorus and piano began as a short homework assignment from Georges Cossard and was based on the text from a play by Casimir de la Vigne. The hymn is a depiction of a Hindu religious ceremony and exemplifies Boulanger's love for exoticism. She employs a considerable amount of word painting throughout many of her pieces, and this work is no exception. For example, in measures 14 and 15, on the words Il s'élance, it soars, she uses an ascending skip in the soprano part, the bass part, and in the accompaniment. In addition, all voices end this phrase at the top of their ranges, in effect, soaring above the usual ranges. Since this was a homework assignment in preparation for the Prix de Rome competition, it was necessary for Boulanger to find a place to show her ability to employ fugal choral writing somewhere within the piece. She accomplished this at the beginning of the second stanza with the text Set Coursier, Seven Steeds. The last stanza is given the same treatment as the first stanza, with the exception of the climactic ending containing fortissimo open fifths that insistently sound until the end. This treatment is uncharacteristic of Boulanger's normal, subdued pianissimo style. Rarely does she use crashing chords at the end of her pieces. Boulanger did not add orchestral accompaniment to this piece, as she had done with so many of her choral works. Instead, she left it in the original version with only a piano accompaniment. Words of Thomas Goss. Lily Boulanger's Hymn to the Sun is a brief piece, but it burns powerfully, and it sets the tone for a musical program titled Shining Light, A Hymn to the Sun, a program of choral music intended to celebrate the sun's life-giving force and the solar system's brightest star viewed from Earth. That from the notes by Joshua Harper, who will lead the performance by the Choral Society of Northeast Pennsylvania on Sunday, March 10th at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in downtown Wilkes-Barre. Dr. Harper is Director of Choral Activities and Assistant Professor of Choral Conducting and Applied Voice at Wilkes University, and he paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about his life in music and about the program he will be leading on March 10th. I always sang. That was my big thing was I've been singing since I was little. My mom put me in choruses and that was always where I really felt comfortable and found myself. Uh, I did play piano. I didn't like my lessons and it wasn't until a teacher gave me Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata and Billy Joel's Vienna and said, we're going to learn how to read a chord chart. And it was from there that I really started to put together my passion of both singing and playing. And so majored in vocal performance and music composition originally and then realized the synthesis of those two, working with new music, working with singers, was choral conducting. So here I am. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. I lost the accent because one of my first choral conducting teachers said, your vowels are, are not good, Josh, so you need to fix those so the choirs can sing in tune. So I did truly listen to NPR a lot, Ari Shapiro, NPR News, and try to really work my vowels out. And so that was one of the first times I fell in love with NPR, actually, was trying to get rid of my southern accent. 
People listen to NPR for all kinds of reasons. That's a great one. So when did you settle in here? When did you start? So we, me and my wife moved here in July last year, and I started at Wilkes in August. So we're still very new to the area, still very much getting settled, but also really happy with our decision to be here so far. Things are going very well. What are you in charge of and what groups do you direct at Wilkes? So I am the director of choral activities, and so my primary responsibility is overseeing the university chorus and the chamber singers. So those are the two groups that I work with. But the other half of my puzzle is I'm very involved with the musical theater students. So I music direct the musicals. We just closed Fun Home Sunday. Very exciting for all of us. And I give private voice lessons to many of those majors as well. And I teach some of the music theory courses because I love music theory. And so you are now guest conducting the Northeast Pennsylvania Choral Society. Yeah, so I'm really excited that I do have this opportunity, especially after just kind of moving here. Obviously, Alan's done great work with the group for so long, and to you know have this opportunity is really exciting. So this performance will be for the full chorus, Ron Stabinski playing piano, of course. What a fabulous musician he is. And then actually, we'll be featuring a clarinet soloist as well. Her name's Elise Bond. She teaches at Marywood University, but we did our doctorates together at Indiana University. So happened to be down the road, and a few of the pieces I really wanted to program for the Choral Society have clarinet. So I said, Elise, and she said yes. So we're really excited. So we'll feature her on two of the pieces as well, which will be great. We're always interested in the way conductors put together musical programs, their choices for beginning, middle, end, and just the overall selection itself. You've chosen a theme, too. So tell us about how this came together. So our concert is called Shining Light, A Hymn to the Sun. And really the way I found my way into that title and that program was I heard the Choral Society in the fall, looked at the repertoire that they've done, and a piece that I've wanted to conduct for a very long time is Lily Boulanger's Hymn to the Sun. So this is Nadia Boulanger's younger sister, who tragically died early in her life. But Nadia spent so much of her career promoting her sister's music because it's great music. And so I just, especially knowing it's a very difficult piano part, but I said, okay, I have Ron. I've wanted to do this for a while. And so I said, I think this is where we're going to start. And also, who doesn't like thinking about the sun in January and February in Northeast Pennsylvania? So that kind of became the centerpiece that I built the rest of the program around. And so really thinking about sunlight, which I mean, really is also a metaphor for a lot of what we do in singing. I mean, we want to spread light. We want to spread joy. We want to, you know, hopefully leave people a little bit better when they leave than when they came in. And so there were a lot of reasons that I felt like this could be a good program concept. And so as things tend to do, you start looking through your files and you say, sun, sun, sunlight, 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 or sometimes moonlight, right? Because that's also the reflection. So finally was able to kind of whittle it down to a program and almost every piece does discuss the concept of the sun or sunlight. I'm really happy and I think the singers are really happy with how it came out. It's a a lot of new music. That was the other main theme was I'm, as I mentioned, a composer and I love presenting works by living composers. And so except for Boulanger and Bach, which we are performing, everything else is by a living composer. So this was a big priority of mine. And I think the singers are really enjoying that because we're able to talk about the stories of some of these composers and look at their websites and see interviews, you know, and things like that. So I'm really happy with how it turned out. And you've broken it into segments, right? Yeah, so I think it also sometimes helps. We can kind of explore different little paths. And so there are three segments. There's the first one, praise for sunlight. The second one is rays of light, shining night. And the third one is sunlight on a stream. And most of these titles are really taken from texts that we'll sing in the pieces. But kind of talking about all the different ways we experience the sun, whether it is through nature, whether it is through 
the skies and the heavens, or whether it is just really looking at the water and the world around us and seeing how that reflects to us. And so that's kind of the the three breakdowns of the program and kind of helps the audience, I think, stair-step their way along throughout the program as well. And there's some wonderful poets whose words have been set by yes. these composers. Yes. I mean, we have everything from Christina Rossetti to Edna St. Vincent Millay, the first winner of the Pulitzer Prize in Poetry. And so her piece is featured in Eric Williams' setting, Afternoon on a Hill. And that's what we open the concert with. And it's um, a, a really stunning piece. A few of the members of the choir have already said, this is my favorite piece. <laughs> I said, good. I'm glad you have one. <laughs> as well as Charles Silvestri, who oftentimes collaborates with Eric Whitaker. That's where a lot of people know his texts. So he wrote this beautiful new text for Susan Labar, and it's uh, actually kind of a response piece to Bach's Lobe den Herren. And so we're going to perform the Bach Lobe den Herren, BWV 137, and then we'll go straight into this Labar piece, which features the, the melody, in the clarinet, but then on this new text and kind of the new imagination of that. I'm really excited about that, and the chorus has really enjoyed this piece as well. But Charles Silvestri writes beautiful texts, and so just having that opportunity to share his poetry as well is it's pretty exciting. And there's Elise, right? Yes, and then there's Elise who's going to be bringing that Bach in, and she is a fantastic player. We collaborated on a, a couple of projects at Indiana, and she also started at Marywood this year. And so, again, it's just been really fortuitous. We've had a great time catching back up and enjoying the Northeast Pennsylvania area. And I, I want her to have that opportunity to share her music with this region, too, because she's very good. <laughs> now, for example, the Lily Boulanger, Hymn to the Sun, is that a longer piece? When we have recordings of her pieces, they're like this big, really not very long. Yeah, unfortunately, no. Um, there are some extended works of hers, and those will be next on the bucket list, absolutely. This this piece is only about five minutes long. It actually was really an assignment that she was working on before she applied for the Prix de Rome, which she's the first woman to win the Prix de Rome, which was huge at the time. And so this was one of her, what they call kind of an essay piece, assignment piece, working with a similar poet text and wanting to get some criticism and some feedback from her teachers, which included Faure. So, you know, for her to be able to have that opportunity. So this is one of those kind of essay pieces that still is stunning and fantastic. The Choral Society for these concerts, they're calling them pocket concerts. So they're a little bit shorter. They're 30 minutes long. There'll be a reception after. And so, you know, that's one of the other exciting things about this program is maybe you don't have two hours for a concert. Well, here's 30 minutes. Uh, it'll be just a little bit longer than 30 minutes, but of some really great choral repertoire and just kind of get a sense of what the Choral Society is doing. Also, if you're a choral singer and you're curious about it, it's 30 minutes, you can come check it out. It's a wonderful group of people. So most of these works are shorter, including this. This is one of her shortest works. But I think you get a really good sense in that short amount of time how fantastic of a composer she was and why she's really having a big kind of renaissance of her music these days, which is well-deserved. And I'm glad that we're able to share that with the region. Talk to us about one of the segments about moonlight, the reflection of the sun on the moon to us. Yeah, so one of the things I also tried to weave into this program was kind of the relationships between old and new. We talked about Bach and the Susan Labar piece, right? So there's one instance there. I also really wanted to program a piece called Veni Sancte Spiritus, which is by Dr. Zanita Robles, who lives in Los Angeles. She writes fantastic choral music. And this is an old setting of a Latin text that speaks of, they call it the golden sequence, the sun. Her teacher is a gentleman named Morton Lauridsen. You might have heard of him before. 
So when I knew that we were going to do Dr. Robles' piece, I said, well, this seems like a really good excuse to also do some Morton Lordson. And if you're a choral aficionado or you just love the canon, you know his music. And he happens to have the Chiron, the Shining Knight, which is just one of the most beautiful settings of the James A.G. text. And for us to be able to share that in a space like St. Stephen's is... I think going to be quite stunning. And so to be able to also feature, obviously, Morton's work, but also feature one of his students who's really coming into her own well-deserved light as a composer in our repertory is really exciting. So that link is there, and we actually are doing, we'll do the Lordson first, and then we'll follow it with the Robles. But thinking about the shining night, right? We think about the shining light, but we also do have that shining night with our moon and how the sun helps that moon reflect the light. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do, too, is reflect some of that light to be a little bit cheesy, but also what I believe is a conductor, ultimately. So we'll, we'll say it and we'll have it. So yeah, Morton Lordson, I wanted to do a piece that I did have a feeling that the Choral Society would be familiar with, they might love, and that we could all just kind of enjoy the experience together. This is a lovely series of pieces. How do you end something like this? Huh, that was the good question. That was, I think, probably the hardest piece to figure out. One of my favorite living arrangers is Sean Kirchner. He lives also in Los Angeles, and he's had a bunch of really big pieces, included a piece called Unclouded Day, which a lot of people really love. But he also has a piece called Sweet Rivers. And what Sean does really well is he takes old hymnody takes the text of maybe an old hymn, writes a brand new original hymn tune that sounds like it could be from the mid-20th century, and then just expands this one little cell, this germ, and grows it into this massive, huge, beautiful thing. And so we start with this nice, easy, simple melody, and then by the end of it, we are in 10 parts, the Choral Society, and talking about the sweet rivers of redeeming love that lie just before mine eyes. And that's where it kind of this one is a little bit of a pull from the light, but how the river also reflects the light. And so this this arrangement is it's full of joy. It is full of light. It's so fun to sing. And the way that it just, again, kind of grows and grows and multiplies and evolves is a lot of fun. And, and we were in rehearsal with it last night, and it ends just on, I think, one of the most glorious, full, expansive chords. And then I said, how do we want to leave the audience, right? How do we want to leave them? And I think it is with this beautiful light that is our voices. And this piece does it so perfectly. And we are really excited to share this piece in particular with everyone. So I think that final chord in the beautiful space is, is going to really end all of this, this journey through light in a way that we really would like for it to. The remarkable closing chord of Sweet Rivers by Sean Kirshner, part of a program titled Shining Light, A Hymn to the Sun, to be presented Sunday, March 10th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, 35 South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre. Joshua Harper was our guest today on Art Scene. He is Director of Choral Activities and Assistant Professor of Choral Conducting and Applied Voice at Wilkes University. And he told us about his life in music and about the program and how A Hymn to the Sun was the heart of the programming ideas he had. 
and how he built the program around Lily Boulanger's piece, Hymn to the Sun. And we can hear it. It is free. A free will offering will be taken. But it will be, again, Sunday, March 10th at 4 o'clock at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, downtown Wilkesbury, 35 South Franklin Street. And it will start again at 4 o'clock. For more information on the web, choralsociety.net, choralsociety.net. 